This is the Master Marketer Show, powered by Proofpoint Marketing. Each week, we explore the mindsets, skill sets, and tool sets the top B2B marketers use to drive results. Gain actionable insights, one masterful, revenue-generating success story at a time. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first installment of the Master Marketer Podcast, where I've got the pleasure of talking to Ryan Paul Gibson, and we're going to chat about the mindset, skill sets, tool sets, and the results of digging into customer research. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. And no pressure. This is the we're, this is the first first installment of the Master Marketer podcast. As the we inaugural. Are. Should we we should That's have right. smashed a champagne bottle against something? Oh, uh, you know, we should have. That would have been <laughs> would have been messy, but would have been fun. It would have been messy, but fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, well, we want to talk about your bread and butter. We want to talk about customer research. Yeah. And as promised in our uh what the master marketer show is all about. We want to start with mindsets. First question I'd like to ask you is, in general, when doing customer research, what mindset does somebody need to have to be successful? Yeah. You know, for me, it's about um, being inquisitive and curious, which sounds like really, you know, sort of basic when you think about it. But, you know, when I, let me, to, to back that up a bit of why I think that is my, as I've worked with SaaS companies for a few years now, and even before that, uh, just sort of technology companies in general, a lot happens at the product and the customer success level. And that tends to like color your thinking around, like this is the box that we need to play in. And then this is the, the reality, but there's so many things that happen um, you know, before they get to using your product in that marketing journey. And maybe, I think what happens with like nowadays where we have so much technology and so much data that really colors our thinking, it's hard to get out of that boxed framework, if that makes sense. So I think that having been inquisitive and being open is like the key mindset to start with. So how do you you know, maybe we can start transitioning into the more specific uh, case study here, but how do you, um, I guess for lack of a better word, force yourself into that mindset? How yeah. do you become, you know, uh, yeah. inquisitive, if you will? It's hard, I think. <clears throat> and and for a lot of people who haven't done it, you know, like I was talking to an entrepreneur today and, you know, your whole world when you're starting up as a company or, before you really get into marketing or understand that world is very like sales heavy and product focused. And those are all your interactions with the customer. So that sort of contextualizes how you think about things, right? So often when you start talking to customers, it's around the context of what your experience is with them. So you sort of have to like get out of your head about it. It's like, you know, I'm starting to sound like a psychologist here, but that's, that's how you start. And I think a good way to do that is, you know, I try to ask myself when, after I've been with a company for a while, or I've been working on something, I ask things like what, what assumptions, what are my assumptions that might be wrong? Or, you know, where, where do I think, where are my gaps in understanding how they're coming to me and why? 
because if if you start with sort of like I don't know this or am I certain about this, you start to sort of open up your thinking around, you know, what could be out there rather than what you believe to be. I don't know if that answers the question fully, but I hope that sort of at least articulates a little bit of like how you sort of get in that mindset. I was a reporter, right? And maybe that's why it's easier for me. And for three years, my whole job when I was a reporter was getting to a statement of facts in the most unbiased manner as, as possible. So you would learn to ask questions in a way that starts with a hypothesis, but you don't ask leading questions or anything that tries to drive to validate that thing. You start, you're just organically trying to understand what was a sequence of things that happened. And that's, I think, lend itself really well to my customer research style because I'm just trying to understand if I, before I even get to the product and start poking around at it or shortlisting it from the, into my consideration set, like what is going on and what am I doing? What are the actions I'm taking? So I think it's tough for people at first, but the more you do it and the more you can sort of get away from the product and just try to understand the person that's buying what they care about agnostic of your product, then I think it starts to get a little easier to put yourself in that mindset. I love that. Um, I want to get into the case study, but I love that you brought up psychologist and journalist. Because I think <laughs> I think those are like, it's an analogy to a certain extent, but I think it's really important to call out because I think in both instances, the psychologist and the, and the journalist, they're trying, the goal is to get, like you said, it's unbiased information that you can then take action on. Right, either yeah. to write the news story or to help this person get through something. So, psychologist yeah. is maybe even a slightly better analogy in this case. But like, I think a lot of the time that I that I see, and I mean, I, I've made this mistake myself doing customer research, which is you go in there. Yes, you have an objective, but you're like you're you almost force yourself to like, okay, this is about me. I need to get this information. Versus, no, 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 this is about you. I'm trying to help you use our tool better or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's the, I think the, the analogy of the um, psychologist and the journalist, I think is actually really great and really critical. Um, so let's get into, you know, maybe your specific case, maybe give us, set the stage a little bit. Like what yeah. was the, what was the situation and let's dig into yeah. where customer research came in. So it's funny on my site content left, I have what I call my one case study. And it, it, I sort of laugh when I say that because I'm a productized service, right? So the research process is almost is almost very similar for each business that I work with. Uh, you know, there's there are nuances to it, but for the most part, it's the same. So the two common questions I get are, "How does this work?" and then, "What do I do with it?" So the case that's why I go since it's mostly going to be the same. That's why it's my one case study. Anyway, that's besides the point. So um, I was working with a company called Rewind. And I still work, do a bit of work with them today on just on the general marketing side of things. And they are a backup uh, and restoration um, SaaS company for different SaaS companies that people use in their tech stack. So what I mean by that is they, they started the company um, as a backup uh, software for Shopify. And that's how they sort of built the business first. And they've grown into the platform, other platforms since then. They had acquired a GitHub solution, which is the largest code repository uh, provider on the planet. Like, there's no one bigger. And the thesis was, okay, we're going to acquire this backup solution. It, it, it lines up really well with our product portfolio. We have a sales and marketing engine. Plug it in. 
revenue is going to start rolling in. And it didn't, not to least the forecasted levels. So that left people scratching their heads. And this is often actually the first sign that something is off. It was the sales team that started sort of figuring out something was off. And when I, the, when I, I got tapped to work with a product marketing manager there, we had a hunch that there's some stuff we probably are getting wrong about the customer because the conversations the sales team and the prospects are having were like, you can tell like there's something off there, you know, like there's not, there's a disconnect. So that was the catalyst to say, let's go find out um, more about these customers. And that happens too, because they just bought the thing and they plugged it in. You know, they, there wasn't a ton of insights qualitatively speaking, except for what the sales team were doing in discovery calls once they bought the product. So that's why, that's how that started. So tell me about like the, I mean, the impetus here is pretty clear, right? Revenue is not coming in. Um, what do we do about it? Yeah. This is where, again, kind of getting into mindsets, I think, you know, a lot of the time what you'll see is more reactionary type Oh, this is not working. Let's tweak our, um, you know, media mix, or let's yeah. try a different script, or whatever it is. Absolutely, it's sort of treating the symptom versus treating versus finding the root cause. One of the so, things they were toying with is like maybe we should spend more on ads, which is such a common common reaction to that problem. They just know not enough people are seeing it, and maybe maybe that's the problem. How do you know? Right? Um, well, we can test A, B. Great. How do we know what we're A, B testing is actually the right thing to A, B test then? Because we're you can start spending more on A, B testing and still get the same results. Right? So, yeah, there. it's so, we often take these like, I credit Rewind for this, right? Because it's this is not a common reaction that you see where they're going to lean into qualitative customer research and trying to map out a buy-in journey because they think they might have it wrong, right? A lot of SaaS companies don't dive into that. So it was it, it was actually, a, I think, a great, a smart move on their part. And I, we can get to like what the the impact was because I have it all on my website anyway, but we can talk about it, yeah. So no, I think what I'm curious about is, you, know, you said I credit them for doing it. This is not a common, um, not a common thing. Like what... Why do you think that in this instance, they were able to go, hey, you know what? We need to go talk to customers. What was different compared to maybe some of the other experiences you had where the knee-jerk reaction is, let's spend more money or let's get a new tool or whatever? I think there's a few things. Um, one is, I don't know what, you and I are both very heavily active on LinkedIn. There just anecdotally seems to be more of a push into qualitative research for all sorts of reasons, you know, like the, the buying journeys are more complex. Uh, we've, we, we've inundated ourselves with the quantitative data, you know, it's just getting harder to understand. Like people are making decisions so much earlier now in a journey. Um, so that was it part of it. And I think what happened was um, the team, you, you know, you had, you had a team that I think were savvy marketers that are really trying to understand, you know, how do I not, how do I spend my budget effectively against the strategy that I've put together? That's how, you know, it's so easy to rewind. It was a very interesting company because they were bootstrapped and they actually waited to raise. So they have a, they have a philosophy of being, of 
spending capital wisely and efficiently, right? That that's ingrained in their culture. So they that affords itself to say, okay, you know, our 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 cost acquisition is is low. Um, you know, it's it's looking the metrics are looking really good. We want to maintain that so our VCs are happy. So let's make sure we're spending our money wisely, right? Rather than just sort of diving into marketing and spend it, but that doesn't happen because marketing can be so reactionary to, in so many ways because of the 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 anxiety around it not producing sometimes. So I, I think that's part of the reason Rewind was there. And also the third part is I've been working with them for a while and I kept pushing them to do it. <laughs> so it's like they find this own opportunity, right? So it was a little bit of all those things together. Awesome. I, one thing I want to maybe go back to real quick, something you said in the, you know, the very beginning, I think there is an aspect to self-awareness mm -hmm. here because it's easy to go, something's not working, it's external. It's, we're, you know, not enough, like you said, not enough frequency or not the right the product channel. Isn't, or, the product isn't sticky enough or whatever, right. right? Yeah. Versus asking yourself that question of what assumptions am I making that are probably incorrect? Right. I think yeah. in this, you can extrapolate this to a lot of things in life, right? In terms of, in general, human beings are kind of reactionary creatures, I think. And yeah. it takes a lot of self awareness to go, you know what? This, I'm probably the cause of at least part of this problem. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Me it's, personally. Right. Yeah. It's that balance of, you know, having to move quickly in a, in a business because you have to versus also, you know, the bouncing moving quickly, but also not reacting too quickly. It's such a fine balance. And I think it takes experience to know sometimes as well. But yeah, it's, it's, it, it, you have to be aware of whether, am I going down the right path? And there are signals to that. And that was one of them for rewind. There's other ones, but I mean, that's at least being open to that, I think is, is vital. Let's talk about skill sets. I think it's a good yeah. time to get in there. Like, what are, you know, we, we talked about mindset. You need to, you know, we talked about self-awareness. We talked about um, inquisitive, curiosity. inquisitive, exactly. So let's assume you have that, like you've got this, you have the self-awareness to ask yourself, what the heck am I possibly doing wrong? You've got the curiosity to ask the, you know, to ask the questions, ask the right questions and dig deep. Yeah. What skill sets do you need to have? And I guess this is where I'd be curious Talk about your journalistic skill sets, because I feel like that's maybe where a lot of this lies. And tell me if I'm wrong. Like, how did those skill sets transfer and how can somebody then actually, I'm, I'm going to stop there. I'll ask you. One yeah. Time. How, how do those transfer? That's one of them. <laughs> right. As a hu as humans, it's hard for us sometimes to really let. When you're speaking to someone else. It's sometimes it's hard to actually just let that natural that rhythm of one question, one answer flow, right? We go compound questions or we're double or triple them up because we think we're, if we ask th two questions at once, an example would be was, tell me about X and why did you do X in this? You know, it happens all the time. I, I stopped myself from asking. It's a compound question. Right there. Yeah. Like that? yeah, it was great <laughs> because what happens is what I'm, my brain is going to focus on both of them and I might give you half answers or I might not answer the second one at all. And that's not the point of this process, right? So that's, so as the skill sets I think you need are active listening. How do you actually 
focus on what the dialogue is rather than looking, thinking of what you're going to ask the person next, right? A way to not to ask questions in a way that are unbiased. So that's things like not asking leading questions, um, not trying to get an answer ahead of time, um, you know, trying to figure out, like I said, a statement of facts rather than, you know, trying to get them to an end goal of your own that, that you're trying to push them towards. That's sort of the third way. And one way is you need to understand, I think, hypothesis setting. Because that's really what this is, right? It's research. So whenever I, um, you know, I, I was working with a client this morning in one of my kickoffs, like our kickoff meeting, and we set the research objectives. And there's a hypothesis to test. And because the, the reason for that is that dictates dictates the context of the conversation. So let me give you an example. So I might, what we talked about today was they have some clients that took longer to close out of their average deal cycle, but were a high average contract value. And they had this, this, and this about them, right? That's going to be different than someone. What I want to know from that person and the hypothesis I have of why they're taking longer to close is going to be different than someone who closed fast and knew what they're doing. Because those two types of conversations are going to be different. And I, it, it might sound a little like um, that might be a bit dense to sort of get you, wrap your head around, but you only have 30 to 40 minutes to talk with this person. And based on what your hypothesis is, all your topics and questions flow out of that. I have so many, I have so many conversations with founders and senior marketers where I want to know this and this and this and this. Awesome. Those are all great things to know. Which is the one that's most important for your business objectives in the annual plan? Because I only I some of the things might overlap, but every all those conversations are contextual, like you and me talking right now, right? We're talking about customer research. We're not talking about other elements of marketing. We're devoting this entire podcast to how you talk to a human. It's the same type of thing. You have to very you zero in on what do you want to talk about. So that's that's a big one. Active so active listening, you know, the, the ability to how you navigate a conversation with the types of questions you ask, not be biased. And then how do you set a hypothesis to try to validate or invalidate what is it you're trying to get at? So that would be the three things I would I think. I hope that hope that makes sense in the it does, it makes a lot. I have a lot of yeah. questions. So <laughs> a lot of follow-up right. questions. Um let's start by maybe getting back into the the rewind. A case study just because it kind of take people through the process a little bit. Yeah. So when we think hypothesis, what was the hypothesis that you were making uh, going into the customer research that you were going to do there? Absolutely. So when we were, when you think about GitHub as a product, developers are the ones who use it predominantly. So that's where all our marketing was sort of resting in the beginning right? And who we thought we were selling to. So, but as the sales team started talking to people, the role developer roles were not the ones coming out of the woodworks. It was a different role, right? So that was the hypothesis. We thought, I think maybe we're, we have, we're talking to the wrong people because you, you know, you know, this Mike, the, the language you use in your marketing 
is how people identify that this thing is in their world, their universe, whatever that universe is, right? So if you are not talking about their world in the way that makes sense to them, in the way they want to achieve goals and success and what they care about, you'll either you'll get either the wrong people and the right people will miss you. And they just won't know they won't they won't think you're for them. So that was it. And then so that was our guiding sort of force when we're talking to people is who are these people and why? And then so we went out to sort of figure out, okay, but even if our developers are there, how do they fit into the mix? So that was the that was the thesis we went with. And then let's talk about um let's talk about on the prep side, right? You mentioned yeah. um, the fact that, you know, you can't ask 15, 20, 30 different type, like you can't do different types of the, different lines of questioning, right? You kind of have to go toward that specific hypothesis, right? And ask a very, very pointed questions. So correct. how did you decide which direction you're going to take this? Well, it- as in, like, how do I decide which questions to ask within the context of yes. like hypothesis? Yeah, I mean, they all sort of. It's how do I articulate that? That's a good one. I mean, what I'm trying to do, honestly, is because since I'm um, I said I have a productized service. I'm trying to understand the various stages of how that person moves from a from that first thought to use like a jobs be language to a close lost. So. What I will do is I will take that hypothesis. We don't, we're not certain that developers are the ones, but let's go start talking to the people that bought the product or involved in the decision and walk this. We have them walk us through these different stages. So, you know, when I'm conducting a research interview, I'm trying to understand the roles and responsibilities of the person I'm talking to, their priorities and anxieties and pains within their role or their business, the first thought or the business trigger. And that that's very much jobs be done language. The research process, so like how not just how did they shortlist, like how do they like how did they research all their options, like around everything they did? How did they evaluate the shortlist, and then how did they decide on something? So the thesis, my hypothesis, sits on top of that, and then informs all those stages of that buying journey. So I almost don't even care about questions which is the funny part i guess that's why i sort of stumbled when you asked i care more about organic discovery and curiosity around those buckets of the journey which is why i think when you talk about mindset it's curiosity because questions can handcuff you to a preordained destination you still need them like they're going to guide you that's why you have questions now this are, are a key for you and they're vital ones that we need to understand but if I want to know, like, the first thought business trigger, I don't ask them, like, so what did you, you know, um, tell me about the problem, you know, uh, tell me what solutions you looked at for the problem. It's not what I, I want to do. What I want to do is, okay, tell me about the first time you realized restoring your GitHub and backup data was good, was becoming an issue. What did you do next? Like, I care about the action they took, Right. So the questions, though, will then be follow-up questions from that. Or I might have, like, that was my one question, and then I'll sort of have successive ones. So I don't, I guess my roundabout way, and too long of an answer to ask answer that one is, 
you know, I care more about those buckets of how people move through a, a buying journey. And then the questions are sort of um, dictated there, but it's all folded into that thesis. Because I'm not going to ask questions about what a CTO cares about if I'm talking to a developer, right? That just yeah. doesn't make sense. So, you know, that's that's how I sort of form, I think about these things. Yeah, I think I, I, I very much relate to that because I just like quadruple underline the word action here my notes because i think that that's the important thing for people to take away is you need to understand what action they're taking and then maybe one level and i'm curious on your thoughts on this but one level further is kind of the proof of the action because i think a lot of times oh, people yeah. will say that they do something but they really don't right so it's like oh or, or they'll tell you like oh this is a huge problem for me yeah, yeah okay you know, yeah. what, uh, they, what have you done they, to solve this? Ah, you know, we haven't really done anything. Okay. So it's not that big of a problem then. Right? No, it's not because, and that's what we want to do. Like we, we expect people to think if they hear the pain, they're going to want to solve it. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case for so many reasons. During this interview, this interview process, this research process with rewind, we spoke to one person who was an IT manager. They were problem and, and solution aware for three years. Not necessarily just ours, but they knew there were product like, existing th options out there, and they're like, I didn't pull the trigger until three years because it wasn't a priority for all these reasons, right? Those are good things to understand because it helps you define okay, this type of organization and the firmographics around them say they're on average say they're not ready for us, yep, until they reach this point. So now I know this is starting to inform. And Persona has such like a bad rep, but they have their place, right? Where they can at least give you a sense of who are the people I still want to talk to, but at least I still need to know how, right? So yeah, like there's there's so much to know about what people do. I mean, one of the and if I may add one more thing, you know, one of the one of the mar marketers they often add to forms is how did you find out about us? Open field now is like sort of the big one, which is good because people will say, oh, I listen. I listened to Mike's um, podcast, right? Listen, this brand new, wonderful podcast. This guy, Ryan was on it. He was okay. But what you don't get from that answer is why were they ready at that point to be receptive to what you were saying in that podcast? I was thinking about that a few weeks, a few weeks ago when I was like, just sort of, you know, jotting notes down. You won't know why they were ready until you go talk to them. I hope does that distinction make sense? It does. No, it's, it's great. I, I love that you're bringing this up, and it, it I, I have a, it's, it, we, we can go down a rabbit hole. And I'm going to try not to take us down that route, but <laughs> I feel like I have to a little bit. There's, it, it's funny. I mean, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to date myself. Like I'm, I'm 37. I've been doing this for a while, mm -hmm. and I've seen the pendulum swing both ways, either direction, a couple of times now, where, yeah, you know, we went from really focused heavy on qualitative data, things like open fields and yada, yada, yada too. No, no, no. It's all about attribution. And now it's swinging the other way. And the reality is, is you need both and both of them still have holes. Exactly. Right? Because, oh, hundred percent. And there's, and it totally depends on industry. Like, you know, we work with an ag tech firm and we do yeah. all sorts of top funnel marketing and things like that. And we can tell it's working by, you know, measuring in different ways. And we, they, they have the open field. Guess what they put in the open field? Google, 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 literally it's a single word <laughs> like, it, that doesn't help you. I, and I know for a fact, it's not Google. Every once in a while, the word Facebook pops up or a referral, but that's, those are so few and far between when we look in the lit at yep. the leads. And then 
when you look at, you know, time series analysis and stuff like that, you're like, wait a second. But when we started running these types of ads and the podcast or the events, there's yeah. a big spike in this stuff. So clearly this is having an impact. Yeah. But even with the open field form, they're not mentioning why, because no. I don't know why farmers don't think that way. I don't know. I can't and, tell you exactly why. But. What's the What's the natural next step of that? It's Google. So they see that we need more SEO or yeah. it's Facebook. We need more ads, yeah. but maybe, but what has to go in those ads? Is what it, caused them to search? Like that's yeah. the thing is why, like what <laughs> exactly. caused them to search and why now? Like exactly. those are the questions I need to get answered. So um, without taking us too far in a rabbit hole, and the, uh, I know you mentioned personas as well. Yeah. Uh, that can definitely be a whole separate episode on its own. I think. Oh yeah, it can be. The reason personas in my mind have a bad rap is because of what most of them are. Like we got conditioned at some point. I, I don't know who came up with this thing. It's like, Oh, well it's this, you know, the fake, the, you know, uh, Dan decision maker, you know, <laughs> yeah, who is uh, blah, 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 whatever. Like, yeah. you know, it's that kind of thing. And it's firmographics and demographic information. And then it, the rest of it is like the persona is built on like random third party research, which, okay, there's a, there is some place for that. Yeah. But you have to ground the persona in, you know, like you mentioned, like you mentioned jobs be done. We're a big proponents of that, at least parts of it. Like, mm -hmm. what do they need to do? Like, what do they need to do in their job and how do they want to feel in their job? Yeah. What are they trying to avoid in their job? Yeah, I agree with you. I see that. Like, that I, yeah. I was that marketer built those things. Right? Oh, hey, I was too. Well, like, thinking I was like so advanced. And, you know, I don't know. My hot take on that is they're probably, it's just left over from the ad industry from years ago where you have to do buys and a lot of it was impulsive products and you could get away with sort of blanketing, you know, billboards and buses and magazines and benches with a bunch of ads that fit a certain demographic, whatever. Right. Um, but that's just not how B2B buys anymore. That stuff's that's maybe still part of some element of it, but there it's so I'm sure you'd see it. It's so complex now in so many ways, but you can still figure it out. We just have to do the work. Yeah, for sure. So one last thing on um, skill sets here is yeah. you mentioned active listening. Yeah. And I think I've been working on that skill for a while and I'm, I'm okay at it at this point. Let's just say like, it's hard for the, everybody. It's all the work hard. at sales. Yeah. So what, what my question for you is how do you like, if, if you are a, you're a team of one in a SaaS startup, you've never done customer research before. How do you work on that skill? How do you build up that muscle? By doing the work, which no one's going to like that answer, but it, it, that's what it is. When I, when I started first started interviewing people, I was, I was not great at that part, but I, I also started just to give people context. I started my career as a field researcher. When I was starting B2B, the reporting thing was like a, a bit of a sabbatical from, you know, my job marketing career, but I started working in uh, food service retail. I did field research. I would go into the lines of competitors and start talking to their customers in like 30 second spurts. And people thought I was out of my mind. But I needed to do it because I need to understand how and why they were choosing them over me or else I couldn't because I couldn't afford to spend 50 grand on one of those research third party research things you just talked about. So that but when I started interviewing people at length. It, it 
a lot of times what it is, is you write down 20 questions and you start focusing on the next thing you want to ask because you're worried you're not going to get it in. I think the trick is keep the questions as little as possible and talk at the pace that I'm talking now. Because if you do that, you will learn to sort of slow your brain down and listen to what the person is saying. It's not easy to do that. It takes a bit of practice. You know, and a good way, you know, a really good way to start this, honestly, Mike, if you're in marketing, you want to get better, join customer success on some calls for a few days. Because the more you start talking to customers and having to listen to their concerns with your product, or like maybe join a sales call and listen, because sales, sales people are good, man, at this stuff. Like people, I don't think people give them enough credit. And you will learn how to actually listen for what is coming out of people. And then that's where the good follow-up questions come rather than looking yes. at your piece of paper to make sure you didn't miss a question on your list. That's how I would think of practice, practice, practice. I think you gave some really great tactical things like slowing down your speech. Yeah. I'm, I'm even, I'm doing it now because I've, I've learned the same thing. And I think you, I love the fact that you mentioned customer success and you've mentioned that sales do a great job of it. I learned to do it better when I started focusing on sales for Proofpoint for our company. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's like a, it's makes such a huge difference in the, in the success of a sales experience. Like a night and day. Absolutely. Because you can, again, like you said, you slow it down and you let yourself actually listen to what those people are saying. And yeah, you can jot down a quick note here and there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it allows you to really absorb it. And I'm, you're not, you're not focused on, well, no, 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 let me, I, I need to think what the next thing is so I can pitch you. It's, it's not about you. And I'm, I'm one thing, you know, I'm, I'm curious is one of the ways that I've gotten around that is I will, I will do more prep both for myself, but I will also prep, like this is, this is getting into sales. I don't know if this applies. I'm curious on your thoughts here, but I'll also do prep for the prospective customer. So I will put together a video and mm -hmm. some assets and I will literally say, Hey, why don't you introduce myself? My name, you know, what? like it, it, let's assume it's, it's not a cold email at this point. Like we've already, the meeting is already scheduled. We already have a discovery mm -hmm. call on the books. I'll send this and I'll say, Hey, why don't you introduce myself? You know, my name is Mike. Here's what I do. Here's a little bit about Proofpoint. Um, and here's some assets I think you might find useful to understand how we think about marketing. And I'm like, I'm not expecting that you're going to, that anyone's going to spend an hour looking through all of this stuff. But even if you take five minutes, I want to make sure that when we get on the phone, it's all about you. I want to make sure that we understand you, your needs, and only talk about the things that are important to you. Mm -hmm. And what I found is by putting that out front, most people usually don't listen to just that intro video, but that has enough in it where it creates this sort of, I don't know if it's camaraderie or trust really is yeah. a better word for it. And then when they get in there, they're not on edge. They already know a little bit about me and I can literally just get in there and ask questions. And I'm also, I know enough about them because I've done my research. So some of the stuff in my message is also more like, Hey, it looks like we might be talking about X, Y, and Z. Right. So you've already kind of established that. Yeah. I'm curious. Does that play in the customer research space? I've never thought of doing that, but I really like it <laughs> Okay, because, and the reason I say that it is, 
it can be very anxiety inducing for someone to be barraged with questions for half an hour when they're they're not looking to get something on, on the other end. And what I mean by that is, and if it's a sales conversation, I'm, I'm looking to understand the product because there's an objective for me. There ain't nothing in it for the customer other than this, unless they love the product so much and they want to give over their time. That aside, it put most people have never been on that position or on that side of the uh, of that uh, dynamic where they're just getting asked about all sorts of things and how they think continually for 30 minutes it can be off-putting and unsettling for some. That's a great way to sort of level it because I just use an email and I have my website and I say, if, if you have any questions, please email me. Um, that's how I set the stage. That's probably a really interesting way to go above and beyond. I like it. I'm going to start using that. I try think. it out. Is that okay if I goes. try that? Well, I don't, I don't care. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, I'm sure I'm not the first person that's done it either, but again, oh. I haven't done this for, but we've kind of done it for our customer research stuff. Like, cause what we found is it's, it's just tough to get, people to agree to the interviews in the first place. And I think it's like, like who the hell is proof point? Why, why are you talking to me? Like, what, you know, whatever. Absolutely. And I think by creating this video of like, Hey, you might've gotten this request and here's why it's all about you. It's all probably blah, 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 blah. And there's a face to it. I feel like we've been able to be a little bit more successful, That's but a I, great idea. I really like um, it. Yeah. Try it out. Let me know how it goes. I'm curious. I yeah. Um, I had a thought and I just lost it, but anyway, let's get into When we think tool sets, not just the physical or digital tools, mm -hmm. but more like let's just in general, like, okay, let's take your case study uh, of, um, of Rewind. You got your hypothesis. You have your objective in place. So, okay, I, I know I want to talk about these topics or this mm -hmm. one topic, whatever it is. Uh, and you're, at, you're looking for those action-oriented steps that they're taking. Yes what are the tools that you're using right and that could be anything from okay i've got a list of questions to i use uh, whatever i record i don't know i, I don't know what yep. you do like that's what i want to talk about like what are, what are the tools that somebody and i guess maybe lay it out in also a um uh, like a good better best like if you've got zero dollars yeah what's the minimum you need and then if you really want to take it up in level or two here's where i where you take it okay my tech set, like what I use tool-wise, actually isn't very complex because a lot of what I'm doing is codifying subjective language. And that's probably another skill set that's a little more advanced. I don't know, Talk advanced, about that a little bit more. I mean, I, I think yeah. I, I'm, I've, I've taken, you know, whatever, marketing 101 or whatever back in the day. And we talked about coding surveys and whatnot. But talk to me about what does that mean? So what that means is I'm looking for themes and patterns. Um, of answers and grouping them together to find trends and you know like so example is you know if i'm interviewing eight to 12 people because that's normally what i do and i i'm looking at say that first thought business trigger part of the journey let's just isolate that what i'm as i'm i'm going through the interview um and i'm going back because I, I transcribe everything so that's one thing i like i use a transcription and i'll talk about it, like for more technical side of tools I'm looking for patterns and themes under the context of that part of the journey. And then I group all of them together and then I summarize everything. And I will come out to, you know, maybe the five common triggers. Now the words they use specifically to describe those triggers might differ from person to person, but the subtext is similar. And, you know, 
that's very much like a um if a lot of people who have done like maybe so like sociology work um there's this thing called grounded theory which i won't get into it's very academic but that's the process of taking like qualitative information and turning into the quantitative insights so that's a bit about what i do but i keep it very simple because i'm not you know this is not an academic peer-reviewed paper <laughs> this is just i'm trying to get some marketing insights right so that's what codifying is so i'm just i'm trying to find the i'm taking all those long short answers bucketing them summarizing them and finding themes and patterns i think that's a good way to sort of approach it like to talk about it simplistically so are you I, before you go further a quick clarifying question are you like are you prepped to know what buckets you're looking for ahead of time or is this literally just post-mortem once you've done your eight to 12 interviews and you're reviewing transcriptions to look for similar words and whatnot that's where back to my thesis right so it's like like today when i had my call with a client we talked about okay walk me through what you think the buying journey is based on it like the collective thought in your organization around what the buying journey is that's sort of my benchmark right because you know you need benchmarks and data and then i map it against that benchmark and then what we'll do is here's what you thought here and you're pretty close and here's what you thought here and you're way off. So, you know, that's, again, it's qualitative. So some of it's still going to be subjective, but that's why we get, we try to talk to eight to 12 people because we're getting a sample size that once you get to that many and you talk to other researchers like me, you'll, you'll see the same thing, same types of answers start to bubble up for different parts of the buying journey. Unless you get into like really complex B2B deals where it's like a buying committee of four or five people yep. and it's like, you know, a, a one year thing because you're in like healthcare, that's where it gets a little more complex. But on average, that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something important to call out here, which is the word qualitative, I think, scares a lot of marketers off, especially performance marketers, because like, oh, that's just random yeah. stuff that's they just talk to people. But there are there is a data component to this, which is like. Again, if I'm understanding your process right, and this is kind of how we think about it, which is, okay, I'm going to ask whatever this question. I'm, I'm simplifying this. Mm -hmm. And as I'm looking at transcriptions, I'm going to look at the eight people that got asked the same type of leading question, not leading question, but the entry question. And I'm going to look at what's the frequency of certain words in those replies. And that guides me into, okay, well, it looks like there's these three themes when it pertains to this specific step in the process or whatever. Is yeah. that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's, it does scare people because it's, it's getting order out of chaos, but if you understand sort of what you're trying to, if you have a thesis and a goal in mind, you will find what you need to, to get out of it. So yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, um, it takes practice though. Right. And the more you do, the better you get like anything else. For so sure. um, I'll, I'll go back to tools if that makes yeah, sense please. to do that. So, my tech stack is not complex, so I just jotted it down. I have a scheduler like you do where I book get people to book on my calendar because it's just much easier than going back and forth on emails. I use Zoom. <laughs> That's for, for, for recording. I record everything. I do not, and it, it sounds simplistic, like, well, of course, why wouldn't you? There's still people that don't do it. You will not remember everything. I guarantee you will not. It's like you trying to remember everything we talked about just in the last 45 to 50 minutes afterward on chatting. You just can't. Your your brain can't cognitively hold that much new information. So you need to record it. 
and I transcribe everything 100%. I think a lot of people do the AI route, AI route, and that's fine. And I, I don't do this myself. I pay to have a third party do it. It's not that expensive. There's people who can do it on um, Upwork or I use Rev, right, and pay for that. And the reason I do that is it's much faster than me trying to go and transcribe it or fix the AI stuff because I actually want to see the specificity of what the words people are using based on like the journey, but also for ideas around content and, and ad copy, because I've taken literal statements from this research, dropped them into ads and things go up. Right. And I love that you mentioned that. Uh, Sorry. Sorry. I'm to interrupt. I love that you mentioned that you do manual live transcription. So I interesting, like we, I do the AI route, but then I'll, I will go through sometimes. And this is where I think we, I need to improve myself is uh, I'll just look at the general themes, but you're right. Like you can't do the, the word cloud analysis without having the exact words. You can't Absolutely. do it because the words like, you know, and it's like, you think it's like, Oh, well, the transcription is 95% correct, but it's that 5% that's wrong. That's going to screw you up completely. <laughs> Absolutely. What if what if in 12 interviews, the same sort of subtext of a sentence comes up seven times? That's vital to understand that. So but, you know, and also I do it if I had to transcribe and fix transcriptions for 12 interviews that are half an hour, it would take me forever. So I pay for that. And then what I'll do is um, I will use. Now I'm using a, a software tool. I'll give them a free plug because they're a startup and they're new. They're called Reduct Video. I was test driving them in the summer. There's other big players like Dovetail. There's other user research, uh, user interviews, not user interviews, but there's, uh, I forget who they're called, but there's different, there are different uh, players in this world where you can record conversations either in the platform or upload and it will transcribe AI or you can pay for an additional fee. I mean, Descript even does this sort of work. So right? we use, I do, we use Descript. Like I, yeah. I record everything, dump it into Descript. Yeah. And do it Otter way. AI is one. Yeah. Rev can do it too, right? But reason I'm using Reduct um, video, so this sort of starts to zero and like go into like low touch, high touch. So this is all I do. Reduct gives me more function, feature functionality where I can start bucketing those statements into the things I, I mentioned. Right, those different categories. Otherwise, you're doing it manually through Rev. And I can do that. It's fine. It's totally cool. I think people should do that. Do it that way. I don't think you necessarily need to pay for Reduct Video unless you're doing a significant amount of research. Sorry, Reduct Video. But that's just you know, I, I, my own personal opinion. And then everything gets extrapolated into Google Docs. That's it. Like low-key, low-touch. And I'm building my reports and my framework and my reports are not short like 30 to 40 pages and going back to rewind when i showed the product marketing manager and he sees the report he's like this is long like i know and he's like this is too much like i know that's how you feel read it and then let's talk about it and he was like actually this is all amazing because we had an average under we had an understanding from one cohort on like the average path they took all the blockers and like decisions they were making until a closed one. You don't get that unless you do all that sort of foundational work and it takes time, but it totally changes everything uh, from in the way that you just see stuff that you did not see before. So 
that's it. My tech stack, like uh, I use Calendly, Zoom, Rev is good. There's other solutions if you want something that's a little higher touch. And then Google, that's it. Not not a lot of stuff, right? But I'm a big fan of, I know you are too, like the process is more important than the technology because the tech just supports the process. That's why we're talking mindsets, skill sets, yeah. and only then tool sets, right? Yeah, exactly. But I'm not, I'm not going to take credit for that. Uh, we, we learned that from... Steve Watt, who I think learned it from somebody else. We're just, oh yeah, uh, Steve's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the uh, one thing to focus in on here is again, kind of like you said, it's not the technology isn't the solution. Yeah. Um, I I'm curious. Would you be willing to? I don't know if you're not totally fine. Would you be willing to share an example of one of your reports? Or is, like, that, or is that, uh, I guess, suppose that's probably proprietary. You probably can't share that, can you? No, but what, I, so what, but what we can do is like, if you, my, my one case study, I have, I think, a, let me just check. I might not have a screenshot. It might, I have, it breaks it all down because what, for the exact same reason um, that, yeah, there we go. So I have a screenshot of what it would look like. Yeah, very, very, some is blacked out. But it gives you a sense of like how I would bucket these things, right? Cool. And this takes you soup to nuts, like at how I work this thing. Because I'm not saying because I I still want people to do this, whether I work with them or not. I I the hill I will die on is how important this work is as part of a marketing strategy. So whether I help you do it or not doesn't really matter. I'd love to work with anyone that wants to do it, but. Now they can see at least if they want to test the waters themselves, I have it all there. I don't just have like the list of questions that some people do. This is the whole thing, like broken down and like why and how, and then what we did after the fact and how it moved the needle. Now that just, just for a rewind, how it moved the needle, but it gives you a sense of like, this is what we did after the fact. That's the vital part where everyone, I'm sure you see this all a lot, right? You, whatever the marketing discipline is and you come in, wanting to sort of save the day people give you other people with there's an executive across the aisle another team or another client will well then what you do this thing and then what well i have then what <laughs> right so so speaking get, of then what yeah i think you know we, we've been we've been chatting for got close to an hour here which is, this has been awesome you know i think people are probably going okay great we're going to spend all this time we're going to do all this stuff we're going to use all these tools yeah why are we doing it? What, what, let's look at the rewind case study. What was the impact? You did this research yeah. at the end of it. What did, what were you able to achieve? The first thing is we identified that developers were not the target audience. There were more people that were in a, a DevOps role. So the ones that helped developers succeed, right? They own the tech stack. Now developers were still around, right? For different use cases. But they were just sort of um, um, on the, on sort of on the sidelines, right? Whereas the DevOps were the ones that really were the people you want to talk to. We had an average, what I always call the average buying story in the voice of the customer, because when you look at my report on that case study, there's all these all the buckets you see of, of answers. I'm pulling directly from those transcribed interviews and plugging into the report so I can see verbatim what they're saying. There's so there's no there's no debate. A lot, there's some debate around like, okay, now that we have this information, what do we do with it? But we don't get bogged down into the identity of the customer and we don't focus conversations with the team there. 
Um, the PMM um, for Rewind, he built out new sales enablement materials for the uh, partner marketing, the partner managers, for the exam executives, battle, sales battle cards, stories that sell. You know, you hear that language a lot in um, in sales teams, like a path to purchase, like how that average buying story. And then I helped them with new ad copy. I'm at change the landing page. You know, new, we updated all the, the marketplace listings with new things. And the example I have here on my site is we've discovered there was one key barrier in the journey they kept hitting where developers were trying to build their own product and failing because of just the nature of how the, the APIs talk to each other. It was, ha just, it, it was a given that this would happen to them, but they still were trying to do it. So guess what? We started putting that stuff into ads about how they're going to fail and on the landing page. And guess what? Installs went up almost instantly. They doubled, right? And first I'm ads like, let's give it a week or two. That's the PMM at Rewind. And then a month and a half. Yeah, still tracking up. It wasn't hockey stick like we all want, but year over year, starting to pick up. And that was just one. Those are some simple things we did at the ground level, like at the revenue level. We haven't talked yet about what our thought leadership strategy is going to be. We're starting to put that in place now. Where we're going to do our buys for, um, you know, sponsored stuff, the communities we want to talk to, the podcasters we want to sponsor, like all those things. And that's all that comes next. out of these interviews. That's coming still. next. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, that's why I love this stuff is now I have a, a more informed playbook or more informed, um, better intel to better inform my playbook. So everyone's welcome to go read this stuff with the content on my site content. Left we'll, see it. we'll link to it in the show notes for sure. Cause I think yeah. it's, I think it's great. And I think people are going to want to see an example. Cause again, I think you go much, I mean, look, you do this day in and day out. So it makes sense, but you go much deeper than most people that I have talked to. And even, yeah. you know, we're kind of, I, I get exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I think showing an example would be great. So we'll definitely I'm, link to that. I'll leave it like with sort of one of why. So people listen to this will probably know Chris Walker at Refine Labs. And, you know, when I, I, I he told this, posted a story years ago, how he, when he was in healthcare space, he used to, and I hope I had this right and correct. He used to went go to the ERs and talk to the nurses who used the technology and the product. Like, that is what separates you from other markers. I'm not saying go out and talk to people in the field, but you said I go deeper because I I want to win in the market, right? This is still me competing against other businesses and I want to win. So this is really a way that would give me a leg up in, in what one part of marketing, a foundational part of marketing. It's, it's interesting you brought up, brought up that example because we work with a lot of uh, device companies and, that's the one place I think they do a pretty good job with is their, their product managers. All they're doing is if, you know, they're, if it's, you know, in surgery devices or whatever, their job is pretty much to go in and like assist and, and be there during cases. Absolutely. Get that kind of information. There's not a lot of other industries that do that. No, but uh, you... now, although interesting, now they're struggling because, because of you know the pandemic and whatnot, it's yeah. they can't get into hospitals, right? So then what do you do? Yeah. How do you how do you do this? It, how do you get the same type of information or similar yeah. in a virtual way? Whatever that I mean, that, that's a conversation for completely. It is. I understand though. And this is where the reason I like this too is this is where marketing lives, because your whole job is to influence people to get to the sales team, right? Or whatever sales motion you have. 
for SaaS, for Rewind, it's a lot of self-install, right? Or when they they get to a point where we know for the enterprise deals, these are the things they want to know about, and then they still have to self-install with their team. But how do you get them there, right? What are the things? And if you you won't find that on a dashboard, and you won't know until you start talking to those people, and that's the big game changer. I'll leave it there because I'll just keep talking in circles. <laughs> I think it's a great place to stop. You know, you've told us about the the mindsets and the skill sets and the tool sets. At the end of the day, you know, we talked about results. Doubling installs is a pretty darn good result. So yeah. um, I think let's let's get in the lightning round. We'll ask you some, you know, off the cuff questions and okay. wrap this thing up. I'm ready. All right. What is the main KPI you use to evaluate marketing success? Uh Revenue is such the obvious answer. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know, I don't want to give the obvious answer because it's like, but I would say, I, I, I still think you have to, what, however you track revenue is a way that you do that for marketing, like at a high level. Um, I guess maybe another way to look at it is, is the sales team time being efficiently used? I don't know how you would measure that in, in like every business is different, right? but I mean, sales cycle length. Maybe, yeah. Like that's, like that. that's how I number of meetings like, and you can see it. They're like the stuff we have people we have to talk to. Oh, I'm just waste I, because marketers forget how much depending on the, the, the sales, uh, the, how your sales motion is, what if they're making a hundred dollars a day, right? Like it's, so I would look at those revenue and like is the sales sales cycle the sales motion being efficiently run because your job as a marketer is to get them there. So that's how I look at it. So I still have to say revenue though. <laughs> I know I have to. Um, what's a new strategy or tactic you're looking forward to testing out this year? Oh, other than the Market one you strategy. other than the one you gave me, yeah. Um, like for me, um. I I don't want to give away too much of what I'm doing, like because I have other people that are doing what I'm doing. But um, con like more sort of content around what we just talked about. When I see people talk about use case like marketing customer research, I don't see a lot of like okay, well, what was the impact? Like connect it back to the business results. So I want to start doing a bit of more around that. Because I feel like if people can, if I can give people a bit more of that sense of like, well, how's it going to help me win? Then I can do that. So I have a few people that I have my eye on. They're going to start doing some more like, rather than me just posting on LinkedIn all day, like that type of content for me. And so it's not like it's something new, but it's new to me. Perfect. What is your least favorite business word or phrase? Oh. Uh... God, what, how do I choose? You know, <laughs> it changes over the years, but I mean, like, we're disruptive. I can't stand that anymore. But I also worked at a startup incubator for four years. So it's just like, <laughs> where all everybody is disruptive. Oh, man. Yeah. And I get it. Why? Because most of them are first time founders and they're just copying what they see. So they feel like that language is, is you know, that's is, is, is that hyperbolic sort of like flavorless language is going to help them. But yeah, disruptive just makes me want to go. Bleh. What is your favorite business or marketing book? 
I'm reading right now. Um, uh, oh, what's the psychology guy? No, I can't oh, remember. Um, yeah, why am I spacing on it now, too? The other guy wrote Influence? Yes. That's the one I'm reading. I, can't, I haven't picked it up in a week. You can tell. I tend, I don't read a lot of the books or funny enough. I know I, I'm more video podcast, right? I will actually go find an author that's done. So like, let's take jobs to be done. Bob Moesta has great books. He now has a sales like jobs to be done. I might read it, but I mean, I re, I watch more of his videos about how he does stuff. Cause I, I get way more out of that than the sort of the theoretical side of the business. There is though one book though. I want to read. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to find on my list. It's actually someone who hired, they hired a detective to go do market research, this firm. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. I would like to see how that worked out. You'll have to tell me what the, what that book's called. I will I'll share it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very much similar to you in terms of, I will consume other types of content. And if I think like, okay, you know what, now it's time to read the book, then I'll go get the book and underline and you know, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. What um what is a best practice that you hate or you think needs to go in marketing? Thinking your dashboards are absolute. <laughs> your CRM is absolute. I don't know if everyone does that, but I've seen that where it's like that's that's how they're making decisions. I've seen people build entire marketing strategies over what they've had in Google Analytics, like how they spend money. I don't know if that answers the question, but I mean, whoo, that's scary. Yep. Yeah, I think there's that reliance on being data centric, where it's like, okay, well, everything is, you know, well, which data? Why? Which data? And it's the whole they forget about the qualitative data. Yeah. Everybody looks at the quantitative. Yeah. All right, a couple more things. Uh, let's make talk about some fun stuff here. Um, not that customer research isn't fun. What is your favorite song? Oh my God. These are so hard. Um, I'm going to go with um, my kids are listening to this folk singer now named Stompin' Tom Connors. Uh, <laughs> what's the big Joe? As long Muffer as it's not, we don't talk about Bruno. We're okay. <laughs> no, big Joe Muffera. Because that's all I hear now. It's a good, good Canadian. I'm going Canadiana with it. Big Joe. Tell people Google Big Joe Muffera and Stompin' Tom Connors and now. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what is something about you that most people wouldn't know? Um, if I could turn it all back, I would have studied dance. All right. There's a story there. You and I are going to have to talk about that. <laughs> <after>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I chose marketing though. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Brian, this was, this was great. This was fun. Like, tons of useful tips and tricks in here for everybody. Good. I hope appreciate so. your I time. Really do. Yeah, well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate having me on for the inaugural episode of the new show. So thank you. That's right. Thanks, everybody. And we'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Master Marketer Show. We'll be back next week with more B2B marketing success stories. Visit our website, www.proofpoint.marketing, for the full episode library, complete with show notes, guides, templates, and more. Make sure to follow Proofpoint Marketing on LinkedIn and YouTube so you never miss an episode. Listen every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.